brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. I am your host, McLean McGowan, and as always, it is a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for allowing me to come into your ears, your vicinity, your auric field as we co-create this space together. I hope that you have been able to harness some of the light energy of this past summer solstice and this new moon energy to really use it for your benefit, to envision the life you want to be living, to dream big, to dream bigger, to allow yourself to actually receive all that you're putting out into the world in your manifestations. And as always, Our thoughts are our prayers. Our words are our wand. So how are you using them? How are you speaking to yourself? How are you speaking to others? How are you judging yourself? How are you judging others? It all matters. And it specifically and especially matters when we are mothering, when we are mothering those in our life, ourselves, when we are mothering our children, we are modeling. Our children see, witness, feel everything the way that we walk through our lives, they are seeing it. So the way we show up really matters. And that's why I'm here. That's why I do this work to help us all as we walk this path. So I'm very excited to be here today with Kelly Moore. She is a beloved friend. She's actually how I got into podcasting many years ago. She asked me to be on her show and it was my second interview ever. And I left that interview being like, I want to do that. And so she hooked me up. She helped me set up my own show. And then when she started her own podcast agency company, I joined with them, Soulfire Productions. So it was really a treat to have her on now that she is pregnant. And I'm so happy for her and her husband, Connor, and the journey that they have been on through IVF. I have not yet had a guest here going through that journey. And so it was really important to me to speak to that. And It's something that, quite honestly, I don't know a lot about. I didn't know a lot about. And as with anything, you know, we don't really know what we don't know until we know it. And so Kelly is such an honest person, a truthful person. She keeps it real always, in always. So not only am I grateful to have had the IVF as a topic on this show, but I'm even more happy that it was her that shared it. Not an easy journey. I have so much more empathy for couples and especially women that are going through this. My heart is with you. And I think as we all journey through fertility, conception, pregnancy, and postpartum, we need to be sharing our stories. We need to be sharing the commonalities. We need to be sharing the differences. We need to be witnessing all the different ways that it can be done. 
And in so doing, we educate each other. We also heal our own wounds. We are able to perhaps witness our own traumas and seeing others. And we always have the ability to repair. So wherever you are on your life journey, you are welcome here. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Sending you all great love always. Jema. Hi, Kelly. Hi, baby. <laughs> so good to be here with you. I know. I love you so much. And I'm so happy that we have the space and time to sit down and talk about all that is coming up for you, all that you're going through, this new phase in your life. It's so exciting. Me too. This has been a long time coming. I feel like we've been secretly having this conversation for a hot <laughs> minute. So, <laughs> 100%. And for any yeah. of those that don't know Kelly, she is so many amazing things, but she is really the person that got me on the podcast train. It was my first ever interview on Kelly's show, and then it really lit a fire under me, and Kelly's been my podcast mentor throughout the whole thing, and now I'm part of her Soul Fire Productions podcast agency, and it's just been such a beautiful thing to walk this path with you, so thank you. Oh, thank you. I remember that interview, like so <laughs> clearly. I remember where we were, where yeah. we were sitting. You were talking about breastfeeding. My mind was being blown because I wasn't on the baby train yet. And I was like, wow, she's so smart. <laughs> Not that I don't think that now, but I was like, holy shit, who is this woman? I love her so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a whole new chapter. Like it was, you hadn't even dipped your toe into that yet. Mm -mm. Yeah, and I was a year, I was looking actually through old videos the other day and I came upon one of the videos from that interview and it was lifetimes ago, but yeah, also in a flash. And Goldie was, I think, only one. So it was new. I was fresh in the new second baby world. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. <laughs> now she's almost five. Now she's almost five, which is insane. Yeah. And she's a full on teenage grown up. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to send you a video she made. So I find these videos on my phone that she records, like just she'll take my phone in the other room and I have no idea she's doing it. And obviously she's watching me do some social media things because she'll be like, hi, it's Goldie. How are you today? I'm just checking in. <laughs> so funny. And last oh night she had God. a full on tantrum when our babysitter left, <laughs> which is so unlike her to have tantrums, first of all, but like she really was having, I mean, we've all been having some big eclipse feelings this month. And for whatever reason it came out, she really mm -hmm. wanted to play longer with her babysitter who I only have one and a half days per week. And anyway, then I find this video last night, like 30 minutes later, and she's having this whole dialogue about how she was having a good cry, but now she's okay. And she's going to have some hot milk with granola. And like the whole thing is hilarious. <laughs> she is your child. So, she is she totally your is. child. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. So I'm going to just drop on in because we have so much to discuss. And, you know, with mm -hmm. you, it's always endless, the topics we could talk about forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to drop us in with this Mary Magdalene card deck. If there's anything mm -hmm. that you're wanting to ask, you can ask me or we can just get the card pull for the day. Yeah, I don't think I have a specific question. I would love for you to guide this, actually. Okay. So we will call a card for our highest good as we walk this life path today. And for all those listening, may this also light your path. Letting whatever resonates come into your field and all that which does not gently bounce off your work field back into the ethers from which it came. Mm. I pulled the card Gaia, Mother Earth. Mm. I feel like that's apropos today, some earth medicine. 
Whether male or female, you are advised to embrace your feminine side. This means embracing your intuitive, gentle, and loving nature and applying these qualities to a current, troublesome situation. Embracing these nurturing and gentle qualities will help you to feel a greater sense of balance, and this will help you overcome your present difficulty. Ask Mother Earth to help ground and strengthen you, and you will feel a renewed sense of vitality. Spend time in nature, do some gardening, or go for a walk in a park. Feel your connection to the earth and remember that both masculine and feminine qualities are complementary parts of every human being. Balance, true power, and wisdom are only possible when you embrace both. For years I have felt your yearning, forever I have loved you. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's amazing. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what is going on in your world? Catch us up. You know, just being <laughs> pregnant and shit. <laughs> Yay! I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an interesting six months for us, and we are pregnant. I am today nine and a half weeks, and we just had our first midwife appointment right before this call. So he's like getting real. The baby's like growing arms and legs and shit, and I'm like, oh, okay, we doing this. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild because... Pregnancy and getting pregnant, I mean, it's a little bit different for you. We're going to hear all about your journey, but it does feel like a light switch. You know, it's like you go through your whole life trying not to get pregnant and then all of a sudden you want to get pregnant. It's just like like the switch is changed. And then you're kind of in this fog and haze of either getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant. And then when you are, and it almost feels theoretical for a while, but then when you really like know what's happening, it's so wild. And Mm -hmm. on one hand, we're doing so much, but on the other hand... We're not doing anything. And this like miracle is happening kind of with or without what's going on in our mind. Right. It's like so wild. The paradoxes. So tell us a little bit about your journey and you and Connor's begin to your relationship and like kind of how you knew pregnancy was already a part of the conversation. Yeah. So Connor and I are kind of people at this stage in our lives that just put it all out there. And, you know, we met in our 30s. We've been together for three years. I'm 34 now. And we we're both kind of like, fuck it, let's just put it all out there. Let's not play games. You're either for me or you're not. And like, let's move forward. And so on our first date, we sat there and he told me that he was born without vas deferens, which is the tube that takes the sperm out when you ejaculate so that you can get pregnant. So he is unable to get someone pregnant naturally. And he found this out at like 27 years old. He noticed that he was shooting small loads and he felt like he had been that's what this is his explanation by the way not my words i could just hear him right now (laughs) channeling through you literally it's so sad we've been together three years and i feel like i talk like him more and more every day and i'm like god damn it (laughs) good thing we love him a good thing we love him but yeah so he was like i was shooting small loads and i felt like i had been super irresponsible and i should have gotten someone pregnant at this point Which I can totally understand because like in your 20s, you know, you don't make good decisions all the time. And so he's like, I think I need to go get checked out. So he went and saw a urologist and had it confirmed that he was born without vas deferens. And it just so happened that the urologist he saw in Austin was also born without vas deferens, which is super rare. Wow. So the guy was able to really reassure him. They had done IVF. They had, I think, two or three kids at the time. He was like, dude, you're fine. Like you can do IVF with your wife one day and you'll have kids. It's a pretty simple procedure. You know, don't stress about it. So we knew going in that that was what we were going to do. And, you know, it's one thing to know that's what you're going to do. And then it's another thing to actually go do it. So we started doing research as soon as we moved to Colorado because 
we knew that one of the best fertility clinics in the world is here. It's called CCRM. And they have some of the highest rates, I think like between 70 and 80% success rates, which a lot of places are significantly lower. And they, sorry, I can't breathe because I'm pregnant. No, take, take your time. <laughs> My lungs yeah. are like, Mer. no, I know. I could, I could feel it like in you. I just, I literally just like relaxed my belly. I'm just, like, Thank you. Slow it down. I know. <laughs> it's been the last five days. I'm like, why are we pushing on no. my lungs now? It's okay. so humbling. <laughs> and I'm like popping out of my jeans. It's really funny. So anyways, we started doing all this research. We found the doctor we were going to use and kind of understood what the process was going to look like. And for us, we weren't really we didn't really care to get married. Like we knew we were going to, and that was part of the plan, but we were more focused on getting pregnant because I am 34. He's 35. Not that we're old, but we knew, you know, time's a tick in. We want to get the eggs and the sperm out and we want to do this while we're relatively young because we don't want to be, you know, super old parents just for us. So we got engaged last summer, got married six months later, and then started IVF two months later. So I started my process in December and we both had our procedures within a couple of weeks of each other. So he had to have his sperm extraction where they just take a needle and stick it in his balls, suck those little spermies out, get as many good ones as they can. And then they do something similar for me and take my eggs out. Then they create the embryos and then they grow for a couple months. They do all the testing and everything. And we ended up with five embryos, which was great. And then we were able to go forward with the transfer a couple months later. But to back up and tell you about the hellish time I've been having for the last six months. They make you go on birth control when you're doing IVF, which is so fucking counterintuitive. Well, (laughs) it's just not, it's not what you're into. No. And it's like, why are you going on birth control to keep yourself from getting pregnant? But I realized later that it's because they're trying to suppress your hormones. So then you can have a massive surge. So I get that part. You know, this is all very scientific and in a lab and And all the things. Yeah. And so it's like, of course, you have to do some weird things, but I don't react well to birth control. I haven't been on it since I was 27 for a reason. It made me extremely sick and psychotic. And so I thought, well, I only have to go on it for three weeks. So I never asked like, hey, can I not go on this? Which is my bad. I learned that. I did not advocate for myself well during this process. And so two weeks in, I was completely suicidal in the fetal position, screaming at Connor, literally wanted to die, couldn't see up from down. And it was really scary. I mean, you know, my closest girlfriends, we have calls every week and I was on the phone with them like, I want to die. This is so scary. Why am I doing this? I don't want to have a baby. I don't want to be married. Like, I don't even like Connor. (laughs) And then they had to like talk me off the ledge. It was so scary for me. So I did that for three weeks and then I had to go on the all of the hormones on top of that. So I come off the birth control and then I have to start, you know, all the meds, all the injections everything leading up to the egg extraction to basically mature my eggs to get ready for them to come out. And that also put me in a really bad place. And the the birth control was still in my body. I mean, you know this, like, it's not like you go off birth control and then you're clean the next day. It's like, you got to go through this like whole detox. It's awful. So that's so scary. That's really a very scary thing. Totally. It was so scary because I, it was, I started feeling so outside of myself and I still am like, I'm nine and a half weeks pregnant. I'm still on hormones. It's been six months of this and I still don't feel in my body. I still like my spiritual connection is dead. I can't channel. I don't feel intuitive. I don't feel psychic. Like I'm just like almost dead in a way where I'm just here. 
like operating, but I don't feel connected to my body. And that's really scary because I, you know, I was sick with chronic illness for 15 years. I lived like this for a long fucking time. And then I healed myself and I worked my ass off to get to a point where I felt really good, connected to my body, super intuitive, super connected. And then it was just pulled away from me one night. And so once we did the egg retrieval, I got off all of the meds, but I was in like a really intense detox that I led myself. And so I was able to clear my body pretty quickly. I felt remarkably different within, you know, a week or two. I was in the sauna. I was drinking Organifi green and red juice. I was doing, you know, tons of acupuncture and charcoal and binders and just trying to, you know, relieve my body. But I never felt like myself for more than two weeks in that downtime between doing the retrieval and then going in to start the transfer. And so it just took a huge toll on our relationship. I mean, I straight up thought we were going to get divorced. Like I really, really felt that way. And I just thought, you know, when they say like you take birth control and it changes how you smell people and like the pheromones, I like didn't want to be with Connor anymore. And that was really scary. And I couldn't tell him that because like, that's really fucked up, right? We just got married and we were so in love. And then I put all these hormones in my body and I didn't want to be alive. I wanted to close soul fire. I was like, I'm done with this business. I don't want to be with my husband. Why do I want to have kids? I don't think I want to have children. Like, what am I doing? And I just wasn't myself. And we weren't having sex. It was a complete disaster. He didn't know what to do because everything he did and said was wrong. I was just, you know, not literally, but figuratively, like walking around the house, flipping tables, you know, just freaking out about everything. And I was just scared shitless and I didn't know what was happening. So then we're in that already. And then we decide, okay, well, now we're going to do the transfer because it's time. And so I go back on all these hormones and there's this one called Lupron that makes me a fucking psychopath. It makes me feel bipolar. It is so extreme. And we went in one day and again, I was like feeling suicidal. And I told the nurse, I was like, dude, is there anything we can do here? Because I am like completely out of control. I am sobbing all the time. I'm screaming. I don't want my life. Like, this is insane. And they were like, you're too far in. Like, I'm so sorry. And again, I was like, damn, I really feel like I didn't advocate for myself well enough. But it's like, you want a baby. And not that I felt desperate because I'm fertile and I know I can get pregnant, but we have to do IVF. And so there's like this level of like, okay, well, we're in this. I might as well, you know, just do what they tell me. Clearly, they're successful. I have to trust them. And in the process, I just didn't trust myself and I didn't advocate for myself the way I have for so many years now. And so I finally get off Lupron, get a little bit of a break, but then I'm on like extreme levels of progesterone and estrogen trying to get my body ready for this transfer. And we do the transfer. And then nine days later, we find out that we're pregnant. And we're both crying, I think mostly out of relief, to be honest, because we're like, thank fucking God. And then everything has been, you know, super positive in terms of testing and seeing everything, you know, from that point. And obviously we're still pregnant. And so that's amazing. But we have had, I mean, we started therapy because of this, which I think is a blessing because we should have been in therapy anyway, because like, hi, we're married. We need therapy. Um, (laughs) Highly recommend for anyone in a (laughs) co-living situation. But it's just, I mean, it, like Connor looked at me one day and we were in this brawl, like screaming at each other. And that's just not how we are. And he looked at me and he goes, 
I don't know where the fuck my wife went. Like, I don't know who you are and I just married you and this is terrifying and I don't know if my wife is ever going to come back. And I looked at him and it was like the most honest, raw thing he had ever said to me. And I said, I feel the same way about myself. And I think we finally got to say the thing we hadn't been able to say and we realized we were actually feeling the exact same way. And I think like things have been different ever since then because it was like, we were both hiding from each other, (laughs) trying not to say the thing. And we finally said it and we've been in therapy and it's been super helpful. And he's been able to have more compassion for my experience because he's just like, why can't you control this? I don't understand. Like, why are you being like this? And I'm like, I can't, like, I don't know what to tell you, but it feels like there's a demon in my body, like eating my insides Mm -hmm. and like cutting me from every connection I have. And he is, you know, you know, Connor, he's like the fun one, the playful one, the excited one. He likes to do random shit together. And I just say no to everything. And so he's like, I don't even know what my role is. And so we've really been able to kind of find a happy medium for how we're operating in our relationship right now. And like, I don't have much of a sex drive. And at the end of the day, I'm just super tired. And the, you know, the hormones are really impacting that, the not natural ones. And he's been so great. He's like, babe, you have one more week of the hormones, like go to bed. It's fine. We don't have to have sex today. Like everything's good. And so I think we've just been able to find a lot more compassion. We've learned a lot about each other, but God damn it. Like (laughs) anyone listening to this who has ever had to go through any fertility treatment, like I get it. And I'm so sorry. This is like the worst experience ever. And I am so fortunate that we got pregnant the first try. We know people have done this seven, eight, nine, ten times over years. And I like, God bless you. I don't think I could do it. I'm like even right now questioning if I want to do this for a second kid. Like that's the conversation we're having. And I just realized like how incredible people are to go through fertility treatment. It is no joke and you don't get it until you're in it. And I don't expect anyone who's never done this to get it. I get it now. I didn't before. And it's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important to have this conversation because I don't get it. You know, I've never been through it. And thank you for being the first person on this podcast to really delve into it because it is statistically it's on the rise, right? IVF, Mm -hmm. more and more numbers. And I think we're going to see more and more. And so it's like, how can we really support the women going through this and the families Mm -hmm. going through this and the men going through this and to hear, I'm just so sorry. Like my heart hurts that you've gone through all this because I had no idea. And also anyone that knows you and Connor, it's, you guys have such a tight relationship just to hear how this journey pregnancy, I mean, it it can just throw a complete grenade into relationships and it's not personal to you guys. It's like, this is a thing, you know, that I don't think people talk enough about. Certainly, it sounds like with IVF, there's just with the hormone addition, it's other level of insanity. But like even in natural pregnancies, you know, it's a huge hormonal thing. I mean, even when you're naturally pregnant, it's something like 200, it's the equivalent of taking 200 birth control pills a day, you know, and then you have the postpartum that like, then it's like the baby comes out and it's like grinding halt, you know, so then you have the other cascade. Yeah, it's such an opportunity just to like figure out how to kind of flow through it because there's not you know as you've seen like we can't really control it all but it's just like how do we minimize the pain and suffering yeah through it? and it's so beautiful yeah. that you guys got you know we're able to really be honest with each other like yeah this isn't who I am like this is not the me that I know and I've worked fucking hard to get because you do so much inner work and I know he has too um but like this is like a such a an up level for both of you 
It is. And I think like we're so fortunate that we've had resources. And even as someone who's done the work, who reads the books, listens to the podcast, like felt prepared for IVF, I still felt so ill-equipped. And so I think about all the women who go through this who don't have what I have. And I think about the suicide rates that are increasing for women who have to go through fertility, the couples that are divorcing because of fertility issues, because you don't feel like you can talk about it and you feel like there's something wrong with you. And it's just this constant roller coaster of unknowns and everyone feels broken and no one feels like themselves. And it's not what anybody fucking signs up for. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to me especially that the numbers of people having to go through fertility are increasing. I just think like something has to change and I don't know what that is yet, but you know me, I'm a fixer and I like to go in and like (laughs) investigate and see how I can like make a difference. I just do feel like I'm going to do something in this space because now that I've been through it, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, like we cannot stand for this. With the rebirth of my own metamorphosis, the rebirth of the new year, springtime, moving into summer, I wanted to update everyone on the way that I'm working with people, with my clients. I am focusing now more on healing, healing the inner world and the outer world of our own womanhood and motherhood journeys. As we walk this path, we all need different things at different times. So one client that is trying to conceive is on a much different part of her path as a newly postpartum mom. And if you are interested in working one-on-one together, please reach out for a discovery call where we can see where you are, where you're wanting to go, and how I can be of support. I have so much knowledge within the birth world, within the postpartum world. I'm a certified nutritionist, yoga teacher, meditation teacher, hypnosis facilitator, Reiki practitioner. So I really like to use all tools to help you move through the inner and outer aspects of your healing. Um, I now am also doing frequency work, which is like a fast-tracked tool to help you really gain a level of change in the quantum field. It's pretty astounding. So I'm now adding that into my work, which I'm so excited about. So the ways that we can work together is one-on-one healing sessions, even as a one-off or within a container, and we would discuss based on each person. And then I'm offering, continuing to offer my mom club, which is an incredible membership for women on the motherhood path, whether you're wanting to conceive, walking through your pregnancy or newly postpartum, or have a toddler or a kid in grade school or even high school, you are welcome here. We ask questions, we share where we are, we share where we're going. And I offer my healing via that as well. It's a beautiful monthly membership. I also offer Sovereign Society, which is a sacred circle for sisters that are passionate about body autonomy and freedoms within us, how we are walking our path for ourselves and for our children. This is open to all women. You do not have to be a mom. You do not have to be a mother. This is for... Women that have gone through this past couple of years, this portal of time, feeling isolated, alone, judged, and this is a safe space to be and heal. And this is also a membership, so they're also supportive goodies and healing within the monthly membership. So please reach out. You can find all this information and more in the link tree in my bio on Instagram. 
And as always, I'm here for you. We are learning together. We are growing together. We are healing together. And we are thriving together. Sending so much love out to all of you. Jema. Yeah. Well, thank you because we need that. Because it, it is kind of like this void of bringing the spiritual, emotional healing to such a medicalized situation. Like, I don't see it here. I really do. I don't see it. So that space definitely needs some support. And then this might be just a very rudimentary question, but why did you need to do IVF? Because like, it just sounds when I heard it originally, like, why can't the sperm just be injected like an IUI into the uterus? Like what was, what was the, the science or support behind that? Yeah. So with, um, vast deferens, you can't get enough sperm, I guess, to do IUI because that was the first thing we asked because I didn't necessarily know we'd have to do IVF. I thought we could do IUI and the doctor was like, no. And I also think IUI has such low success rates and IVF at this clinic is such high success rates that they're very much more drawn to going the IVF route. And I don't know like financially the differences or anything like that because we never more deeply yeah. looked into it. But I do believe that it's just the amount of sperm that they're able to get because of his condition, that's kind of what led the way. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. And then how much longer do you have to be on hormones? Is that throughout the whole pregnancy? Six more days. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm currently weaning off right now. And I'm wow. the last few days, I finally started feeling like myself again. I feel creative. I've been like doing more work and, you know, coming up with ideas for different things and just feeling more connected to Connor and more playful. And so that's been really nice. Mm. So happy <laughs> to hear that. And then another big transition you've had is the loss of your own mother. Mm-hmm. And you just had a year anniversary recently. It's going to be two years this summer. It's going to be two years? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. That is wild to me. And so when we last saw each other when you were in LA, we were talking briefly, but I'd love to hear about kind of what that looks like because I know as women especially in our any mother wounds any unhealed mother connection trauma I also think it comes through our matriarchal line you know sometimes we just mm-hmm. are holding things when we become pregnant from our grandmothers great-grandmothers but having such kind of a visceral big transition what is that looking like for you as far as being pregnant not having your mom here yeah etc well this is gonna sound really fucked up but it's the truth for me in my experience my life is so much easier with my mom gone. And I feel really bad saying that, but it's just the experience that I had with her. My mom was a narcissist, really controlling. She lived vicariously through me and I was her whole world, which when you're a mom, your kids kind of do become your whole world in a way. But it was like, if I didn't give her all the attention, if she wasn't my best friend, if I wasn't calling her 20 times a day, she lost it. And I remember when I was, it was 27 years old and I was talking to some girlfriends and I was saying like, yeah, you know, I call my mom like 20 times a day and I ask her this and I ask for her opinion on that, blah, blah, blah. They're like, really? Like, yeah, don't you do that? And they said, no, (laughs) I talked to my mom like (laughs) once a week and I was in shock and it made me start questioning my whole life because I thought that everyone did that. And I was raised so codependently with her that I just figured that this is what you do with your mom. And so I started to pull away. And I think that like when you're 15 or 16, you go through, you probably know the word, I can't think of it right now, like where you become like independent and like your own person. You know what the word is for that? No. It's like something identification or 
whatever. There's like, but yeah, that's like the natural. Yeah, it's the natural yeah. teenage pull away. Yeah. yeah, there's this pivotal moment in your teen years where you go through this. Well, I never went through it, so I went through it at 27. Uh, so I started pulling away from her. Yeah, and she lost it. Like it completely ruined our relationship. So she was just so judgmental, so controlling, wanted to make all my decisions for me, but making me think I was making them for myself. I mean, just very your typical narcissist manipulator. And I preface this with my mom loved me very much and cared about me and provided me with an amazing life and opportunities that she never had. But she had a lot of unhealed trauma and wounds from her childhood. Like she was abused by her dad. She, you know, took a bat to my grandfather when she was like nine years old because he was going to hit my grandmother. And so like that was her life. You know, she worked from nine years old in a butcher shop to make money and like be able to be independent and not have to rely on her dad to take care of her because she hated him so much. She never dealt with that, you know, so she had extreme rage and anger. So I pulled away and she couldn't understand why. And there was just this unspoken tension at all times in our family after that. And so when she died, like none of that was resolved. She was on morphine. She had stage four colon cancer and died six months later. So she was in the hospital and she thought that my dad and I were trying to kill her and, you know, that I hated her and all of these things, which weren't true. Obviously, I was like trying to take care of her and do anything to help her. I dropped everything and like went home for three weeks and you know, I was living here. I was already in Colorado when she when she died. So I just like left and I was flying back and forth and I was present and, you know, rubbing her feet and trying to take care of her. But she was just so stuck in her own shit and couldn't get out of it. And it was really sad. And so she died without us saying our goodbyes. Like she didn't say, uh, you know, I'm so proud of you. I was so grateful to be your mom, like have the best life, like nothing. The only thing she said the night before she died, because we got her home just in time with hospice, she was home less than a day um, before she died. But my brother and I were laying with her in bed and just talking to her. And we were kind of like saying our last words to her, but she wasn't responding. She wasn't really there. And all she did, she just whispered, I love you. And that was the last thing she ever said. And then she died the next afternoon. And it was obviously so sad. And when she died, like I was laying with her. I was like holding her when she took her last breath. And when they, the doctor came in and we're like, you know, she's gone. I like turned into this little kid and I was holding on to my mom for dear life. And I was just so beside myself. And it was like a part of me had died, you know, because we were so codependent. We were also really similar in a lot of ways. Like, <laughs> much as I don't like to admit that (laughs) we are super similar in a lot of ways and so it was like a part of me died I had never felt really safe without her I felt uncomfortable making decisions still you know she was my mom and she did everything for me and so that was a really really hard period and at the same time I felt relieved because I felt free I felt free from her judgment and her control for the first time in my life And I feel like some of that was probably a sense of freedom for her. Like, I really think my mom chose to die. I think she manifested this and created this so she could be gone quickly. I don't think she wanted to be alive anymore. She had had a hard life. And so I think there was a sense of me feeling her freedom and me feeling my freedom. And then later on, I kind of had this awareness that I was my mom. I am like the other version of her who had the resources and the abilities to cope and to process, and to 
become who she always wanted to be. And I think that there was a lot of resentment there, even though she's the one that provided me with a lot of that. But I could finally see where a lot of the tension came from. And it started to make sense to me. The day she died was the first time I ever saw. So I've been able to hear and feel as like my senses and my intuition and my, you know, channeling or whatever for the last few years, but, or before that. But the day she died, her mom was already dead. My grandmother died when she was 20 or when I was 21. And we were very close and she's been my guide for years. Like the, the voice I hear, the feeling I feel is my grandmother. And I look into the corner, I'm laying with my mom in bed. It's the morning she dies. And I look in the corner and my mom's standing there with my grandmother. And I was like, like almost like she was really there, you know, like in human form. I look over and I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) And she's just like, I need you to let me be here. I need to watch this. Like, please let me be here. And I was like, okay. And so she stayed there the whole day until she died. And then she was super prevalent in my life. And we had lots of conversations of healing And she apologized for how she treated me. She explained like a lot of things to me. And we had this really beautiful experience over and over of like healing. And she became my greatest advocate and my greatest supporter. And there was no judgment because she didn't need to judge anymore. And I would always feel her hand on my back whenever I do mushrooms. She was just there. And it was amazing. And then it's so funny because when I got pregnant, It was like all my resentment and anger came back for her. It's like all the healing I had done was gone. And I was telling you this at Carolina's wedding, like I still can't tell her I'm pregnant. And I know she knows (laughs) she was part of it. I believe that. But I can't tell her because I'm still mad at her. I'm mad at her for leaving me. I'm mad at her for controlling me and manipulating me. You know, I'm mad at her for lots of things. And I was telling my therapist this the other day and I said, you know, I was talking to Connor and he was like, maybe you just need to set up a sacred space and like journal or just have a conversation with her, you know, light your candles, do your whole like woo woo thing. And so I'm telling her this and she's like, I think that's a great idea, but I also just don't think you need to do this. Like you're not there. So if you do that, you're forcing yourself and then you're bypassing all the actual feelings you're having. So that really like took a huge weight off of me and I took a step back and I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking want to do this. Like I'm just not there. And so that's kind of where we are. And it's, It's really interesting and it's sad to me, but I also realized it's just, it's part of our sort of karmic healing together to go through this next step. I'd like to introduce you to a brand that I'm working with called Bamboobies, which is your one-stop shop for postpartum boobs. They've got awesome nursing bras made out of eco-friendly bamboo rayon, that really soft bralette material has a little clip down so you can easily nurse out in public without having to pull your entire shirt up. I love these. They come in lots of cute colors. They also have these great washable, reusable nursing pads, which come in different absorbency levels, which I think is so smart. So depending on where you are in your day, knowing your milk flow, you might need different absorbency levels. And those are great because you can reuse them. They're not those throwaway ones that also don't feel good on your boobs. They have a great nipple balm, which is totally organic, meaning you don't have to wipe it off to feed baby. It's made of extra virgin olive oil, beeswax, shea butter, marshmallow root, and calendula flower. It's really light. I've been using it on my hands. I really like it. It feels good. This is just great to have. Nipple balm is a must for nursing mamas. Must, must, must. Have a couple. Throw them around different places in your house. Have one in the diaper bag. Have one in your purse. Keep one in your car. Never enough nipple balm. 
Then they also have a great all-purpose balm you can use on your skin, your hands, your boobs, your body, baby balm, also great ingredients. And then they have a couple of really cool drink options. They have a lactation support, which they come in these cute little packets, really easy to keep in your purse, which can be added to nut milk, milk, water, smoothies. And it has a lot of fenugreek in it, which is one of the main galactagogues that we use to up milk production. So highly recommend that. And then they also have a morning sickness relief drink, which I really wish I'd had this with my first pregnancy when I was morning sick all day long, every day for seven months. This is ginger lemon, and you just add it right into water, and it looks so yummy. It tastes so good, so easy to use. So I highly recommend checking these products out if you are an expectant mama or looking for any postpartum gifts for women in your life that you love. Check these out. I have a code for you. It's capital M. TM, which stands for Mother the Mother, capital MTM, which gets you 25% off site-wide. So if you're looking to add your postpartum toolkit, check Bamboobies out. So incredible, just the layers of the seen and unseen and just the opportunity for healing in so many ways. And it, that just feels so generational too, that, you know, that the healing for her is coming through you. Yeah. And then we'll also come through your kid. I mean, it's so compounded. And I just think as a society, we really don't honor that and respect it. It's like, it's this huge missing piece. So there's just so much to sit with with that. And I also think honoring exactly where you are. And I do think that's part of this like kind of wellness, spiritual healing world is, I mean, I find it within myself, like wanting to control the healing, you know, like mm -hmm. speed it up, like get, I just want to be done and like exercise it out of my body. But it's like, if I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. And it's not authentic. So I love that advice. You're like, you'll know. And maybe it's even the birth of your mm -hmm. kid. And then mm -hmm. you're going to be on that side and you're like, whatever, I'm, I'm done with that holding on, you know, or mm -hmm. not, you know, you'll see. But mm -hmm. I really relate to that feeling when she passed for you because I was the same way with my dad. It was... We knew he was dying for two years and he kept holding on. I mean, his body, the way he treated his body, it was just like unreal that he was still alive. It literally felt like like half my body had been cut off, removed. I couldn't eat or like basically drink for three days. Like I was literally just like on another planet of grief. Like mm -hmm. part of me was dead. And it was so shocking because like I thought I was really prepared, you know? And there's, there's just something about losing a parent, no matter what age, we are that little kid. We're that five-year-old, or at least mm -hmm. I was the five-year-old, how I felt it. But yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating how it cycles and how grief is not linear and it keeps coming back. I mean, I felt so much grief this eclipse month and was really mourning my dad, crying. I never cry. I was bawling during the mm -hmm. night, like for my dad. And it's just so interesting when we allow it to come up, you know, that yeah. it's showing us new lessons or we're at that next level to release more of the past or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, you know, as, as we do more work and we do become more self-aware, it's like we're lifting layers for more to come forward that yeah. we maybe didn't even realize was there. Not that we were necessarily ignoring. It's like there is, like you said, just so many layers. There's so much nuance to this. And I believe in past lives. So I believe that there's just so much even beyond the life that we're currently living and things that are going on in other dimensions and other lives, like, you know, I could see my mom and I having many different relationships and iterations of who we were for each other that have impacted my experience with her now. And so I think we're constantly grieving and kind of deeper understanding and allowing 
for all of that, not just this. And I think that's why it does take so much time sometimes because it's not just this one life. You're just, you're going through so many years and iterations of what it was. And it keeps changing and morphing and the relationship keeps changing. And also it really changes as you become a parent. You know, like Mm -hmm. I understand my father so much more now as a parent, which is fascinating. It's endless. The journey is endless. Is Connor starting to, I mean, obviously you're so deep in the hormonal and the literal growing a human. What is coming up for him? I mean, not he's not here to talk for himself, but like, have you noticed, is he going through a new phase of becoming a father? <laughs> yeah. Connor is in a little bit of a crisis. <laughs> not a crisis, but an he's awakening. definitely going. Yeah. He's, he's going through an awakening big time. Right after the midwife left. Our plan is to have Connor's mom here for the birth. She really wants to be here and it's her first grandchild. And she's actually, um, she was a labor and delivery nurse and did a lot of emergency C-sections. And so for her to be able to personally witness a home birth of her grandchild, we're just like, God, how special, you know? Uh, Yeah. So we're trying to prepare her (laughs) because this is going to be a new experience. (laughs) So Connor, I was in the shower and Connor comes in and he's like, I was watching all these birth videos instead of my mom and I just, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and he's just crying. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I was just like holding him and I was like, what's coming up for you? And I was like, are you scared? Are you nervous? Are you excited? And he's like, I'm not scared or nervous. I'm just like really happy and excited. Oh, that's so beautiful. Connor's like, Connor is a bro. He is... (laughs) And I'm not talking shit on him. He would explain himself the exact yeah, same way. No, like no. he's he's kind of, yeah, he's he's a bro. He's kind of a dick. He definitely ha- like gives off this like tough guy exterior and he is like the softest most sensitive man on the inside if you if he lets you in there. And so I get to experience him in that and there's been a lot coming up for him about how he's spending his time, the work that he's doing. He's kind of having a reckoning with his work and he's in the political space and it's really hard for him to talk about a lot of things happening. I mean, we had that shooting in Texas yesterday and he's beside himself and it's something that he has to talk about on his show. And so it's like when you're talking about things that are that dark every single day, it starts to wear on you. And I think that he's starting to come to terms with that and really look at, okay, this is wearing me down. I am exhausted. I am becoming an angry person because of all the bad things happening in the world. And I don't want to be this man for my child and for my wife. And I'm really proud of him for having such an honest conversation with himself because that's his work, you know, and he does love it and it's important and he does an amazing job. But I think the reality of what he covers on a daily basis is just so bad. And so he's having that and he's also like golfing all the time now because like that's what dads do. (laughs) And he really wants our kids to golf and like he wants to do fun things with them and like teach them cool things. And his parents were both addicts. And so he was raised by his grandparents and they were incredible. And his parents are sober now and we're really close with both of them. They're incredible people. But he didn't have that presence of parents to go and play golf or coach his little league team or do anything like that. And so he is being so conscious and intentional about, I want to be a present parent. I really want to be there. I want to be involved. I want our kids to have, you know, the resources and the abilities that I didn't. And it's really sweet. And it's so funny too, because up until our last ultrasound, 
he hasn't been like attached, which I get because I don't feel super attached yet either because it's just kind of a weird time. I'm like, I've gained 10 pounds. <laughs> My jeans don't fit super well and I'm throwing up every day. But like, what else have we got going on here? <laughs> like you tell me there's a baby in there. <laughs> but after we had our last ultrasound, the technician was like, look, it has arms and legs and there's its spine. And the baby was like flipping and like doing all this stuff. And, you know, we saw the heartbeat again and we left there and he was like, oh shit, like this is real. It has arms and legs. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And so I think he's finally sort of seeing the reality of it, which is really cool. Cause I mean, you know, like guys aren't having the babies, we are. And so I think it's really hard for the partner who's not caring, you know, whether you're a man or a woman to like see your partner and they're going through this thing, but you're not doing it. You're not carrying the baby. You're not throwing up. You're not psychotic because of hormones. So you're like, yeah. I feel sort of detached from the experience. And so I think he feels more attached to it now, which is really cool. But yeah, it's really sweet to see him sort of evolving on a day-to-day basis and, and seeing how this is already impacting him before the baby's even here. He's going to be such a fun dad. I know. I can see it all. I can see all the gear, all the adventures. It's going to be so much fun. He's going to love it so much. The fucking baby Bjorn. He's going to carry that baby everywhere. (laughs) He literally, you're going to die. Okay. So the other day he goes, you're just not going to be allowed to hold the baby. I hope you know that. And I was like, oh, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, you can come feed it. I'll let you know when it needs to feed. And then you give it back to me. And then you can go in the other room. And he's like, I should just get a bell and like call for you when the baby is hungry. And I was like, oh, so I'm the wet nurse for our child. And he was like, I mean, you know, if that's what you want to call it. Your words, not mine. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? That's hilarious. I I can see him doing like a whole like a swerve in his career. Like it would be so great to get his fatherly advice and like newborn Mm -hmm. life. Like maybe that's his next show. Totally. Yeah. I'd love to know Connor, how how he does newborn life. I know. I mean, he's talked for our whole relationship about being a stay-at-home dad. So I can see that happening. I can really see him embracing that and working, but like being here and being like the main caretaker because I'm definitely like super driven and running the company. And I don't know that I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like maybe my mind will change, but that's just never what I've seen for myself. Yeah. And that's awesome that he's ready and able to do that. Yep. And you get what lights you up too. I think Mm -hmm. that's I think that's really the beauty of parenting right now. And I do think it's shifting that those old constructs, but it's like, what are your family goals? Like what, like what is really working and what isn't working and allow yourself to let the old die off the old paradigms. Most of you probably know by now the products that I use and love. But for reference, you can always go to the show notes to find the discount links and codes for all of those. The Healy is the frequency device that I'm using that has literally changed my life within a month using it. If you want to schedule a call to discuss that, uh, there's a link for that. And there's also a link to the website. And if you have any questions about that, please reach out. I'm happy to chat about it. DM me on Instagram at Mother the Mother. I have Organifi products discounted. I love personally the green juice and the red juice for myself and my kids. This is Needed is a great company here in Los Angeles for prenatal and postpartum supplements. It's a woman-owned and run company, and I really love their products. I love their collagen, and I love their prenatals, which you can take prenatally and postpartum. I have a code for that. See in the Moon is my all-time favorite body scrub. It smells so good you want to eat it, as does the body scrub. I use the oil on my full body, sometimes my face, 
my hair. I love to use it on my hair ends, the split ends. And I use it on my kids' skin too. And they love it. It's light and it absorbs so quickly and it smells like summer. It's so yummy. It's made here in Malibu by my good friend Carson Meyer, also a birth doula. And then Bambooies is a newer product that I am loving. They have tons of products actually. Um, this is great for you new mamas or expectant mamas that are planning your postpartum time or if you are already in your postpartum time, they've got great bras, um, great nipple balm, great teas to promote lactation that are super easy to use and hydrating. They have a ton of products, so there's a link for that as well. So please check out if you're wanting to add any of these to your lifestyle, and I'm also happy to chat about them. Sending you love, J-Ma. So you're planning a home birth. What are you doing to kind of prepare yourself for that? Are you reading books? Are you working with the doula? Are you like eating special foods? Like what is your journey like? Yeah. I mean, I'm eating burritos right now. Yeah. So I mean, you're doing what you got to do. Right yeah. Now. We're, yeah. as the midwife says, trimester one is survival mode. I totally. definitely feel that. Yeah. I can't even take my prenatals because I just throw up. That's so yeah. So I'm just waiting a couple weeks and then I'll focus on my actual diet, <laughs> which is mostly paleo. We don't really eat a lot of sugar definitely more carbs and then working out. I haven't really been able to work out because I've been so nauseous and tired, but I'm looking forward to having some energy back and, you know, lifting and Pilates and walking. And we're really active. We love hiking. He wants to go to steamboat next weekend and hike. And I love being outside. So, and I mean, you pulled mother earth, like I need nature (laughs) big time, especially right now. So I think in terms of food and working out, that's kind of where we've been in, in our plan for that. We are working with our midwife, and then I also have a doula named Sarah, who is amazing. If I had it my way, I would have you and Embo here. <laughs> I, know, I know. But I have you from a distance, so I'll yes, take it. We'll be we'll be sending lots of support. Yeah, you guys are the best. Um, but yeah, Sarah came, highly recommended, and she's incredible. We just hit it off. Like she's, I told you this, like she's just like us. Like she would just fit into this conversation so well. She's a little younger than me. She has three kids. She actually is pregnant. We just found out a couple of days ago and she's due at the end of January. So she was like, we're going to have so much mama energy in this birth. I love it. I know. So she's also done this plenty of times where I feel like just so supported by her. And she's already been just really helpful with little things. So we have both of them. We have you guys. And then I'm reading all the books. So I have like a stack of 15 books, I think. I've already read a couple. And, you know, just having lots of conversations and just being really honest about what we want. And I think a big part of getting ready for a home birth is the workouts. Like, I really want my body to be prepared. One of the midwives, when we were interviewing, I don't know if it was ours, but she said that 90% of the moms who end up transferring to a hospital from a home birth, it's because they're just too tired. They haven't trained for it. And I... As a former athlete and someone who loves working out and, you know, being with Connor, same thing. Like, we feel really strongly about me being in the best shape possible for this birth and just being really smart about it. Like, they said that a lot of moms are resistant to sleeping while they're, you know, in early stages of labor. And I'm like, okay, note that. Like, take naps, rest, even if you're not fully asleep. Just, like, really take care of yourself. Make sure you're hydrating. I drink two to three elements a day because they're so helpful for nausea and just staying hydrated. So I'm just really dedicated to little things like that. 
And I want to be fucking hardcore badass mama giving labor or giving birth in labor. And I know that that means that I have to have strong muscles and I need to squat and I need to do lunges and I need to pull the weights up the driveway and, you know, be able to hike and like hopefully breathe better than I am today. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how am I more out of shape now than I'm going to be in eight months? You're not. It's just just, (laughs) talking a lot takes your breath away. It's just real. Totally. So I think we're just trying to be really conscious about that stuff. And then I think a big piece of this for me is releasing expectation. I am a control freak, 100%. I like to know how things are going to go. I like to just be really clear about it, set the stage. I'm also a manifester, so I usually get my way. And I just know (laughs) that (laughs) babies like do what they want to do, you know, and sometimes the baby is like, no, we're going to do C-section and you're going to come along for the ride. And I am preparing myself now to be okay with whatever that looks like and to be so in tune with my body and my intuition at that time so that when it comes time to make decisions, I don't have to think. I just know in my body. Mm. Amen. (laughs) I love that. It's so good. And I I love that you brought that up because, you know, with Goldie, I was so sick with my first pregnancy with Jemima, so I really couldn't start walking till like seven months. And I picture, wow. imagined hiking every day. You know, I was, on that time in my life, I was like big into like a liter of green juice a day. You know, I had to surrender so much. And then with Goldie, I felt great. And so I was walking every single day, three to five miles, like without fail. And it really set me up. And I do think, you know, you're right on cue of like, this is one of the biggest athletic events of your life. And like I was telling you at the wedding, like you're already so much more set up because you've gone through so much pain. You've gone over and over your threshold of pain as an mm-hmm. athlete. And that's really, cause I'm not, okay. So I am not a runner. I did the marathon in 2016 with a knee injury. And that actually helped me move through transition with Goldie because I was able, I couldn't even mm-hmm. like speak, open my eyes, anything, but I was replaying running that marathon and that pain. And that actually helped me get through my transition. Because I was like, wow. I'm done. Get me the fuck out of here. Why didn't I schedule C-section? Like, even me, like, it's all into the birth world. I was like, tap me out, you know. And it got me over it, you know, because, like, she was about to come. So I think using all of your past pain <laughs> and challenges to, like, get you over the hump will really serve you. Yeah. I mean, even really in smart. my workouts, I try and do, like, extra reps. So if I'm supposed to do 12, I'll try and go to 13 or 14. Because I know that I don't want to stop short. I'm like, no, go further. Anytime you can go further, like do it. Push yourself harder. You know, obviously I'm not trying to hurt myself, but I'm right. not like being crazy right now. I've got like 12 pound weights in my hands. <laughs> but it's like, if you can do a little more, that's amazing because I do feel like I'm just trying to set myself up for success for that day when it's like, okay, just one more push or whatever it is. And like, I am ready for that because I've already done that before. 100%. Yeah. And you... By practicing that muscle over the months, you do get that belief in your body. It's like this mm-hmm. capability that you just trust that you can do it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is just knowing, like, just it comes to that deep surrender and that trust that, like, you've never done this before and you can actually do it. You can do yeah. it. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is, like, trusting Connor. And I trust him so much. I mean, I trust him with my life and with the life of our soon-to-be child. And it's really cool because he trains me in the gym. And so he teaches me what to do. He's like, writes out my program. He pushes me. He cheers me on. And I feel like we're practicing for birth. He's like, one more. Okay, you got this. Like, 
high five, slap on the ass, do the thing. And obviously it's going to be <laughs> a different experience in birth. Uh, I don't anticipate him slapping my ass, but who knows it is Connor. But I feel like we're building that kind of coach mom situation where he's like talking me through the whole experience and he's my biggest cheerleader and he's got my back and he knows what I'm capable of. When I forget, like I can do three more reps, he's there to remind me, you're so strong, you've got this. And so I feel like we, without even really trying, have sort of fallen into this practice of what we want it to look like when we do give birth. Love it. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for this whole situation. I want to be there. Who knows? Maybe I'll fly in. We'll see. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I would love to be there. I'm just so excited for this for you guys. Thank you. And just the way you're meeting life and, you know, I've always been so impressed and I tell you this all the time. I'm so impressed with all the, the inner work you've done, all the ways you show up for yourself at your age. I mean, you've done so much more than I did at that age. And also it's like, we're always right on time for our lives. Right. And Mm -hmm. each step of our journey informs so much. And I'm just excited for you because I do feel like you've done so much of the work and that obviously pregnancy, it's still before you, you're going to learn so much more about yourself, about who you're turning into. I mean, this is a massive transformation for you as a woman. Yeah. From maiden yeah. to mother is so massive and I'm here for you and you can always call me, you can vent, you can share, you can cry, you can rage. I just get so excited for the women I love that are on this journey because like I just know it's coming for you. Thank you. And it's so badass and Thank beautiful. You. Well, I feel your love and I feel your support and it's such um, you know, it's so calming to have women like you in my life because I feel like with my group of girlfriends, I can truly get through anything. Like you all have been such incredible resources and such rocks for me. And I, you know, I didn't grow up with great female friendships. And so it's so magical to me now to be experiencing this, especially going into being pregnant and having a baby. It's like, this is the damn time to have your people (laughs) and have them show up for you in really big ways. And I have just felt so supported by you and all the girls and it just it feels so amazing and it's yeah it's just a really peaceful feeling to have this village around me totally and I feel the same way and we really do heal so many timelines by finding our tribe of women Mm -hmm. it's so incredible and I'm just so grateful is there anything before we wrap up is there anything you'd like to share for our listeners I think the only thing probably in terms of IVF would be really do your research and There are other ways to go about IVF, which I didn't realize, like you can ask to not take birth control. There's another place here that has really high rates of success that actually goes a much more holistic route. I didn't know about them until two months ago. So I would just say, do your research, find a doctor you feel connected to. I felt like mine is kind of a robot, not the best bedside manner. And I just didn't I never asked like, hey, can we meet with a different doctor or what are our other options? I just sort of trusted other people with my experience. And I just sort of had a reckoning of, I have to trust myself. Like I have to ask better questions. And I know that. And I just didn't. And I think those are really important things. This is this is a really hard journey. And you want to feel really supported and really comforted by your practitioners. And also have another team around you, like massage therapists, cupping, acupuncture, Reiki. I've worked a ton with Emily the Medium through this whole process. You know, I've read Spirit Babies, done all of her Spirit Baby, you know, group sessions, 
really connecting with the child, working on receiving and allowing and and asking this baby to come when it's ready and, you know, welcoming it into our lives. I think the as much holistic as you can infuse into an IVF fertility experience, whatever that looks like, the better. And I think we we handled all of that really well, but I do wish I had asked better questions and had done a little more research and not just focused on 70, 80% success rate. Okay, gotta go here. Like, we'll find the people that you feel the best and most supported with and also the success rates, like consider both. Beautiful. Yeah, and we're always learning. I mean, I look back mm-hmm. at my first pregnancy and there were such red flags and I just didn't know better. I thought I was right. do- I was reading all the things, I was doing all the things I needed to do. So it's like, it's also just giving grace to yourself. You've yeah. never done this before. Totally, yeah. So we learn as we go and mm-hmm. we know better than we can do better. But you're doing all the things exactly. and- I'm just, I love you. I was so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank love you too. all for being here. And thank you, Kelly, for this important conversation. And I look forward to having you back on the flip side when little baby is here. Yeah. Breastfeeding and podcasting journey. all at the oh. same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you so much. Here for it. Yeah. Love you. Love J-Ma. you. J-Ma.